Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The coal miner's daughter, Christy Martin. Christy Martin was a public figure, a sports star, a pioneer. She put boxing on the map for females. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She made millions of dollars boxing. Christy was married to Jim Martin. Uh, Jim was a boxing trainer, and Jim trained her. Go take her out there. Go take her out. For years, it was Christy and Jim as a team together. I think that the marriage between Jim and Christy was professionally driven, where at first they used each other to both get ahead. Case number 2010, State of Florida versus James B. Martin. This is one of the most memorable cases I had in approximately 5,000 that I handled as a prosecutor. It has a little bit of everything. You have drugs, there's a sex tape. This is one of the most fascinating cases I've ever been a part of. What did you want the jury to know about this marriage? That Jim Martin wasn't a, a loving, caring husband. Jim's control led to psychological abuse, physical abuse. He started to provide her with controlled substances and would put 
Christy in a very compromised position to where she had to rely on Jim or else her career would be over. Christy had told him that she wanted out of the relationship. How did Jim take the news that Christy wanted out? Like his world was collapsing. How did he take the news that she was seeing someone else? Horribly. But I don't think anybody truly believes that the person that you've built a life with would all of a sudden turn and want you dead. Inside the couple's Orange County home, James Martin stabbed his wife with a buck knife four times in the chest and back. He then ultimately gets a firearm. He stands over her and shoots her in the chest. So Jim pleads not guilty. What's your reaction? Expected. She's the one that had the gun. Jim was just trying to defend himself and they fought over the gun. There is not convincing evidence in this case beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Martin intended to kill Christy. The way Jim described it, Christy was hooked on drugs and she was extremely aggressive. He was constantly afraid of physical attacks by her. It's not every day that the target of a murder ends up living to tell their story on the stand. It's rare. At this time, the state of Florida calls Christy Martin. Christy was the boxer, Jim was the opponent, the jury was the audience, and the judge was the referee. And Christy had always talked about she wanted to win 50 fights in her life. Well, Christy won 49 professional boxing matches in her career. That courtroom was the 50th fight. He's taking my head and he's beating it into the, where the drawers are. And I said, you cannot kill me. I told him, you cannot kill me. And I meant it, just like the sun came up this morning. I meant it. Christy! that went through your mind when you saw the defendant with that knife in the bedroom? I said to him, are you gonna kill me? On April 24th, 2012, in this courtroom in Orlando, Florida, boxing champion Christy Martin boldly faced down her fiercest opponent yet, her ex-husband, James Martin. The last time you had seen Jim, he's standing over you with a gun. You know, I thought about it a lot, and how am I going to react to being in the same room with them? Hundreds of thousands of court TV viewers watched 
as a prize fighter known for knocking out 32 opponents, testified that her much older and seemingly frail husband had nearly killed her. This case rose and fell on the credibility of Christy uh, and Jim. Prosecutors Ryan Vescio and Deborah Barra were worried that the jury might have some doubts about the matchup. She became famous beating the hell out of people. Exactly. So it's pretty plausible that she might beat the hell out of her husband. Absolutely. Barra says she believed Christie's story. The good, the bad, and the bloody. She was very open about her marriage. She was very open about everything. It was just very much matter of fact, this is who I am. Christy bared it all, starting with her childhood in the tiny town of Itman, West Virginia. Itman, West Virginia is literally one mile from welcome to, now leaving. Her father, John Salters, was a coal miner. As a fighter, Christy would brand herself the coal miner's daughter. I was always out with my dad. We passed football, we passed baseball, I shot basketball. She says her dad pushed her to dream big, with one excruciating exception, her love life. When did you first realize you were a lesbian? I think I knew that I was attracted to women fifth or sixth grade. Did you confide in anyone? No. Christy lived a double life and kept her first love a secret. Fellow high school athlete, three years her senior, Sherry Lusk. She went away to college, we tried to keep it together for a while, but distance and time and age, and it just doesn't work. Did you ever see circling back with her later in life? Um, no. She says eventually her parents found out that she was gay and could not accept it. So she moved out, went to college in Athens, West Virginia, and started boxing. With no formal training, Christy won every amateur fight she entered. Just, you know, got hooked. I loved the sport. Spotted by a promoter at one of those contests, Christy went pro. A little over a year later, 22-year-old Christy was offered formal training with a boxing coach named Jim Martin. I walked into the gym thinking that I was going to meet this guy that, you know, wanted to train me. It was just the opposite. The 47-year-old didn't think that women belonged in the ring, but saw dollar signs. He thought, and it would be a sideshow, but I think I can get her in position where we can make some money. Christy says she just wanted to box, and so she put all of her faith and trust in her new coach. How much did Jim Martin know about your past? Jim Martin knew everything about my past. I looked at him like, this guy's going to be my coach. And an athlete and a coach to have a really good bond, like they have to be able to get in your head. They have to know what makes you tick in order to make you perform. Just double jabber, double jabber. Tell me about when the relationship with Jim went from professional to personal. It was a, a few months. I was getting a lot of pressure from my family to not be gay. It just seemed like it was easy. But Christy also had a girlfriend in town. That is, until Jim found out. He said that he had called my dad, and my dad told him to just throw my stuff in the ocean. They didn't want me. And so I went the next day and married Jim. Really? Yeah, because I felt like I had to. 
The couple moved to Apopka, Florida, outside Orlando. They opened a boxing gym and worked on Christie's career. Still living a double life, Christie was always dressed in pink. Jim, being very homophobic, would always tell me at a press conference, if I'm fighting some girl that's clearly there with her girlfriend, uh, make sure you say something derogatory about her uh, sexuality. Pink steroid, bitch! Why did you continue to listen to him? Jim Martin convinced me that the world hated me. I'm talking about family, friends, the boxing world. Then her career took off. Spotted by a trainer who worked for the world-famous boxing promoter Don King, Christy became his first female fighter. I mean, to go to fight in Las Vegas, then King's the promoter. We're going to show you on Friday, Walter! That's bigger than I could have ever dreamed. But that was just the start. Is that you? That is me. Dark hair, long time ago. In 1996, King featured Christie in a fight on a pay-per-view event, headlined by Mike Tyson. With tens of millions of people watching, Christie stole the show. Her nose was split open and bloody by the third round. But Christie won. That was the most profitable bloody nose in boxing history. I mean, I'm bleeding everywhere. And people are starting to take notice. Wow, look at this woman. She's still fighting, and she's winning the fight. Christy became the only female boxer to ever make the cover of Sports Illustrated. But with the fame, she says, came a tightening of Jim's already firm grip. And he would always say, I'm going to tell the world you're lesbian. And for whatever reason, you know, it just wasn't strong enough in me to say, go ahead. I keep thinking of the people who will watch this and say, how does a woman who's so powerful and strong and successful at being aggressive, how is she not able to stand up for herself at home? I know that people think that, that I, I should be strong and tough and all those things, but I didn't have that same type of mental strength to overtake him. In 2001, Christie parted ways with Don King. By 2007, her career was on the ropes. And according to Christie, Jim had spent all of their money. Feeling that she had nothing left to live for, Christie tried some cocaine that Jim allegedly brought home. He throws a baggie down on the table, and he said one of the fighters gave it to him because he was going to get clean. And I let it lay there for a couple of days. And then finally I was like, you know what, might as well just do this. And then it just, it was every day, all day. She claims Jim became her supplier. She also says he had hidden cameras around their house documenting her addiction. So it was all about blackmail. Do you believe that Jim was controlling it? To the extent that he was trying to help her with the drug problem, I do. Jim Martin's defense attorney, Bill Hancock, says if there were tapes of Christy doing drugs, they were meant to show her how aggressive she was when she was high. He was a boxing coach, not a boxer. He was always in fear of her aggression. Did you ever beat him? Did I fight back sometimes? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. After 19 years of feeling controlled, Christy says she kicked the cocaine and threw in the towel on the marriage. And I told him, I said, I want out. I'm done. Christy had already consulted with a divorce attorney when she says she told Jim there was someone else, 
that high school sweetheart she never thought she'd see again, Sherry Lusk. When I told him I'm going to see Sherry, he said, if you leave me, I will kill you. And I stopped, I turned, and I looked him right in his eyes and told him, do what you have to do. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that life can be unpredictable, and the last thing you want is uncertainty on your own doorstep. Simply Safe provides 24-7 monitoring and live guard protection, prioritizing your safety around the clock. With affordable plans starting at less than a dollar a day, it's the best choice for protecting what matters most. With Simply Safe, there are no long-term contracts, and installation is simple whether you do it yourself or opt for professional installation. And you can rest easy knowing Simply Safe offers a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Take control of your security today. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/slash 48 hours. Don't wait until it's too late. Protect what matters most with Simply Safe. There's no safe like Simply Safe. For 20 years, he told me that if ever I left, he would kill me. Christy Martin says she knew she was signing up for a life-or-death battle with her husband, Jim Martin when she reunited with her high school sweetheart, Sherry Lusk, in November of 2010. So in the days leading up to the attack, you saw Sherry several times, right? Yes. I told him that I was leaving to go see Sherry, and I told him I wanted a divorce. The day before she was stabbed and then shot, Christy drove to Daytona to spend the night with Sherry. Jim followed her there and then started texting and calling. He said to me that he saw me greet her. He also said that he was so close he could touch me. Jim's trial attorney, Bill Hancock, says his client admits he was in Daytona that day, but he claims he was there to protect his wife. Jim had to intervene one time previously because Christy was going to Daytona for her drug connection. The next day, Christy decided to head home. I have to go back and either live or die because I'm not going to look over my shoulder for the rest of my life. So I had no choice. She says Jim was there when she arrived home. And so I said, my head's killing me. I'm going to lay down. Just as soon as my head stops hurting, I'm going to go work out. She says she was lying on the bed when she heard Jim talking. He's on the phone with people telling them, you know, that I'm a lesbian, and that I've left him for a woman. The entire time, he's sharpening a knife. If I can hear the knife sound, shh, shh, shh. Unable to sleep, Christy says she was putting on her running shoes when Jim walked in and said he had something to show her. And then he put his hand behind his back. I, like, lean around, and I see that he has a knife stuck down in his shorts. And I said, what are you going to do, kill me? And it was like, bam, instantly. He stabbed me, bam, bam, bam. The fourth stab went through my breast. And so I tried to kick him away from me. When I kicked him, he cut my calf muscle almost completely from my leg. I'm trying to still fight with him, 
And at this time, I can feel he has a gun in his pocket. It was this pink 9mm gun, and it belonged to Christy. I can't get it away from him. He's too strong. He gets the gun out of his pocket, and he starts to beat me. Bam, bam, he's beating my head. And bam, just like that, the switch flipped. I told him, you cannot kill me. Right then it changed. I have to live. She says Jim stopped to tend to a cut on his hand. And then she started begging. You know, I tell him everything. I love you. I'm sorry. You know, I've always loved you. I'm pleading for my life. Please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. This is Christy being interviewed by investigators while in the emergency room fighting for her life. I just got begging. Don't let me die. Finally, I realize he can't let you live. He gets the nine millimeter, stands at my feet, and I tell him he don't have the balls to shoot me, and he shot me. He missed my heart by three inches. I passed out, and he thought I was dead. An hour had passed since the stabbing started, when Christy says she regained consciousness, heard Jim taking a shower, and decided she was not down for the count. I picked up the gun, because he had cleaned the gun off, laid it down, and picked up the car keys. With a punctured lung, a bullet lodged inches from her heart, and her leg split wide open. Christy says she got up and left. But I get to the car, it's the wrong keys. There's no way in hell I'm going back in that house. She ran into the middle of this road where Rick Cole pulled over. And before I could even say hello, she's handing me something through the window. It was heavy. And she said, that's my gun. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What's really going on here? Because she's the one with the bloody gun. I took the gun so I could show somebody this is what he shot me with. Rick Cole rushed Christy to the emergency room where she was stabilized and then airlifted to a nearby trauma center. Meanwhile, Jim had vanished. He goes on the run. Prosecutor Ryan Vescio says it took the police seven days to find Jim Martin. He had been hiding in a friend's shed across the street from the crime scene and with the buck knife used to stab Christy. This is what he told the police. I saved that knife on purpose because I know Christy's fingerprints got to be on that knife. Jim claimed he had spent the week slipping in and out of a diabetic coma. I didn't know how long I was there because I was just out. He ran in the shed to protect himself. He was afraid she was going to continue to come after him. Bill Hancock believes that Jim was the victim, not the aggressor. I think Christy had come home not in a great mood. She indicated she was suffering from migraine. And Jim went in concerned about her health and got attacked. She jumped up, grabbed the knife that was laying there. I grabbed the knife blade, or struggled with a knife blade. Jim says it was Christy who brought out the gun. I guess she must reach underneath her pillow. She'd come out with the pink gun. So you think they're fighting over the gun, yes. right? And the gun goes off? Yes. Jim was charged with attempted first-degree murder and pleaded not guilty. But to claim self-defense, he would have to admit that he stabbed and shot his wife to save himself. He comes into the courtroom all feeble-like, so we thought, okay, here we go. Who do you think started the fight? 
Go inside the case on Facebook at 48 Hours. A little more than six months after nearly bleeding out on her bedroom floor, Christy Martin got back in the boxing ring with Dakota Stone. Christy was hoping for her 50th win. There you go. Down goes Dakota Stone for the only time in her career. Instead, the fight was called when Christy broke her hand in nine places. She had to be rushed to the emergency room again. And then, she had a stroke. I can't walk, I can't really talk, and I can't see. Prosecutor Ryan Vescio was worried. Would Christie be able to testify at the trial? She is the only live witness to what occurred. This entire case completely fell on her shoulders. Determined to take that stand, Christie approached physical therapy like she was training for the match of her life. The fight is on, and it's going to be the fight of public opinion in a courtroom. Jim Martin, who had been denied bail, was doing everything he could to discredit his wife. We intercepted a jail telephone call from Jim to one of his friends that they were trying to blackmail Christie even while Jim was incarcerated pending trial. I got some tapes, you know, I got some awful dirty, dirty tapes of her. They were trying to sell these sex tapes to media outlets. The tapes never sold, but that didn't stop Jim Martin, who told the media that he was the victim. I thought, thank you. I like it when defendants talk. Jim's defense became pretty clear in April 2012 when the trial began, and his attorney, Bill Hancock, set Christie up as the aggressor. James Martin was about two or three weeks away from his 68th birthday. Christie Martin was 43 years old, training for her upcoming boxing match that was going to begin her comeback in boxing. Ryan Vescio declared that the evidence would show Jim Martin had tried to kill his wife. We believe, ladies and gentlemen, that this case, at its essence, is about a man losing control. The prosecution called Christie's friend and hairdresser, Deanna Gross, who testified that she saw Jim be controlling. Um, he would look through her phone. So you would see him actually walk over, pick up her phone, and go through it? Yes. Sherry Lusk testified about that reportedly terrifying afternoon in Daytona, when Jim seemed to be lurking in the shadows. We didn't know what to do. It's hard to explain how you're shaking so bad when you think you're about to get shot. The jury saw photos of Christie's injuries and heard from the doctors who saved her life. Raise your right hand, face this young lady to my Is it fair to classify the lung injury or the chest injury as a life-threatening or critical injury? Yes, yes, that's correct. Deputy Sheriff Todd Moore testified about Jim going missing for seven days and said he was found wielding the knife used to stab Christie, forcing Deputy Moore to draw his gun and give a warning. If he didn't drop the knife, that I was going to shoot. But the main event was clearly when Christy got up on that stand. May I come forward, stand in front of the podium? The size of that courtroom is about the size of a boxing ring. Raise your right hand, face the court clerk, and be sworn. 
You could feel Christie's intensity. She did not stop from staring down Jim. With Ryan Vecchio questioning her, Christie calmly gave her account of the attack. He stabbed me three times under, under my left arm. She described Jim's only significant wound, that cut on his hand. When he stabbed me, I think it was one of the times on, of the three on my side, his hand slid up the knife and it cut his hand. But according to Bill Hancock, Jim got that cut while defending himself. The only way you can get that cut on your hand is defending against someone who's wielding the knife. But she was cut up one side or the other. It doesn't mean that he wasn't defending himself. Hancock hammered home that argument in his questions to Christie. Did you try to shoot Jim Martin? No, sir. But Hancock pointed out that when police interviewed Christie, Do you recognize that? She asked if Jim was dead. Do you recall responding to Detective Evans saying you were pretty sure you heard one gunshot and then asking if he was dead? No, sir. You okay to still talk for a little bit? This is from that police interview, recorded at the emergency room right after the attack. Can you tell me where he got the gun? When Christy was fighting to survive. He did. Yeah, we're still trying to find him. And then there was this. Detective Evans says, okay, what did you try to do? And your answer was, I tried to shoot him, but I was too scared of him, pointed a gun at him, and if I missed or something. The day after the attack, while on painkillers in a hospital bed, Christy told investigators this. I got the gun out of his pocket, and the P9 millimeter, and, and like, pointed it at him, but then I was scared to, like, I was scared to shoot. Did you tell her that? I really don't remember. Christy's in the hospital. A police officer interviews her, and she says to him, is Jim dead? Sounds to me like the woman wanted him dead. It's not a good fact to have to deal with. On day four, the state rested. And now it was Jim's turn to tell his story. But the prosecution was worried. Would the jury believe him? Would you give the verdict forms to the court deputy, please? talk about my mochi ice cream. Why? Because friends do not let friends miss out on something this good. My mochi is premium ice cream wrapped in sweet soft dough and the flavors are amazing. Like my mochi double chocolate with rich chocolatey bits. It's a chocolate lover's dream. Or don't get me started on my mochi strawberry ice cream. It's cool, creamy and bursting with natural berry flavor. And the sweet luscious flavor of my mochi mango will send your taste buds straight to the tropics. My mochi is gluten-free, perfectly portioned, and only around 90 calories per piece. Taste the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream today. Find My Mochi at Walmart or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. The state has rested, and Mr. Hancock, what's your pleasure, sir? Defense attorney Bill Hancock insists that his client Jim Martin was a loving and devoted husband. 
I think Jim was trying to work on the marriage. I think Christy was trying to create a situation to where she could proceed with whatever divorce paperwork she was starting. Jim claims Christy is the one who was armed that day with her gun and the knife. I know she says he brought it into the room. Um, He's like, no, she had it. And that bullet that just missed Christy's heart? That was an accident, Hancock says, while wrestling over the gun. The fact that Christy got shot with her own gun, I think bolsters the fact that Jim was just trying to defend himself and they fought over the gun. But remember, to tell that story and claim self-defense, Jim would have to admit that he stabbed and shot his wife to save himself. Jim is such a control freak and believes in himself so much that he would think that he could convince anybody of anything. But first, Hancock tried to present a different view of the Martin household from friend and neighbor, Scott Selkirk. Did you know your neighbors, Christy and Jim Martin? Yes, I did. Was there ever times that you witnessed Jim Martin in a controlling manner over Christy Martin? No. Selkirk testified that just days before the attack, Jim came over to his house to ask if he could store his gun collection there. In Selkirk's words, it was to avoid a hostile situation. Had Mr. Martin brought his gun collection to your house before? Yes. How many times? Probably three. Selkirk also said he saw Jim the day of the incident, and he seemed fine. Was he angry or aggressive? No. Later that evening, he says Jim showed up at his door, bleeding. And what did he tell you? That he had been shot and stabbed. And then what did he do? He turned and left. Selkirk says he gave chase, but Jim disappeared. Cross, please. Then it was the state's turn to question Selkirk. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Sir, you're actually really good friends with Jim. Correct. Good friends, yeah. Okay. And would you describe your relationship almost like brothers? Good friends. Okay. Barra pointed out that when police arrived at the crime scene, Selkirk refused to share Jim's cell phone number. Sir, isn't it true that you said to Sergeant Callahan, Jim is my friend and I don't want to get him in any trouble, so I'm not going to say anything? I can't recall that. Sir, do you remember being on the phone with somebody else while the police were in your residence and you indicated to the person on the phone, I've got some cops out here and they're acting like heads. Do you well, I probably said that. You, you remember saying that? Oh, I'm sure I said that. Okay. Selkirk pushed back. When Barra asked about a trail of Jim's blood that led right to Selkirk's front door and beyond. Sir, isn't it true that the blood went further into your house? Uh, Into your kitchen area? No. I don't know where you got that. Barra got that from a police report and photos of blood found in Selkirk's kitchen. Sir, you're free to go back to business. Thank you, sir. Now, the jury didn't hear this, but it was Selkirk's shed that Jim Martin admits he was in when he went missing for seven days. Chris, Barra, to the stand, please. Hancock's second witness was Chris Guerra, another friend who testified that he never saw Jim be aggressive. He also said he had Jim over for dinner the night before the incident, and he seemed calm. Was there anything unusual about Jim 
that evening when he was at your home for dinner? No. Garrow was on the stand for only four minutes with no cross-examination. And then... Do you have any additional witnesses you wish to call at this time? Yes, Your Honor, at this time, the defense will address Hancock surprised everyone and rested his case after calling just two witnesses. Jim Martin would not be going toe-to-toe with his ex-wife. Ryan and I looked at each other and we were just like, he didn't get it. You have a world champion boxer uh, who's in much better physical shape. So we thought, what is he going to say? And it was nothing. As we got into the trial, I think Jim became more fearful about testifying and concerned about how his words would be twisted. I personally think it was just that Jim couldn't bring himself to tell the world that he needed to protect himself from Christy Martin. Members of the jury, it has been difficult, I'm sure. In his closing, Hancock reminded the jury that the pink gun belonged to Christy, and he insisted once again that she was the one with the knife. Whose blood is on the blade? James Martin. Any contribution or any DNA from Christy Martin? No. That is nothing more than asking you to speculate. Ryan Vescio reminded the jury that the knife was in Jim's possession for seven days after the incident, and he insisted that the evidence showed Christy never even had a chance to defend herself. There's no evidence of a struggle. There's no evidence that this was an equal force fight. Did you think a guilty verdict was a given? Nothing's ever a given in a courtroom. After five hours of deliberating, the jury and the trial of Jim Martin had a decision. Members of the jury, have you reached verdicts in this case? Christy says she was worried. It was the first time ever I realized maybe they didn't believe me. State of Florida versus James D. Martin. Verdict as to count one. The jury find the defendant guilty of the lesser included offense of attempted second degree murder. Guilty of attempted murder, but not premeditated. You had prosecuted for first degree attempted murder. They said... Second degree attempted murder. Did that feel like a loss? No. I felt that was a a good verdict. I knew that he would be facing substantial prison time, and I knew that would kind of vindicate Christy. Christy says hearing the word guilty was a huge relief, but insists the verdict was only half right. Do you think Jim's attack on you was premeditated? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Bill Hancock says he accepts the jury's decision, but he also disagrees. Do you think Jim Martin is innocent? I believe my client. Nine weeks later, at Jim Martin's sentencing... Why don't you just have a seat to the right? Christy took the witness stand one last time. Judge Thompson, Jim threatened my life for over 20 years. She wanted the judge to know that she was still terrified. 
He would also tell me that he knew people that could, quote, unquote, make me disappear. Then she turned and called out the man now convicted of trying to kill her. Look at me, Jim. The entire time I testified, I looked him straight in the eyes. And when he would look away from me, I would say, look at me. You shot me with my own gun, basically point blank. And guess what? I walked out. On the stand, you said that? From the stand. One time the judge told me to be quiet and I just kept talking because what's he gonna do, put me in jail? Judge, I hope that you'll see fit to sentence him to the maximum of life in prison. As she left the stand, Christy had one more thing she wanted to say to Jim. I walked right directly at him and said, I hope you burn in hell. To me, it was telling him, I don't fear you anymore. But Christy didn't get the last word. Judge, at this time, Ms. Martin would like to address the court. Jim Martin finally took the stand, turned to the judge, and once again claimed he was the victim. Outside the ring, I was scared of Christy, you know, because I never wanted to do anything to make her mad. His fear of Christy, he said, also explained why he fled the crime scene. Christy was gone. I ran through the house looking for her, and then I got thinking, Christy's got the gun. Then, Jim Martin apologized, but not for attacking his wife. I'm very sorry for that day, and I apologize. I should have just turned, walked off, and whatever happened, what happened? I got stabbed. I should have just turned and walked away. I never really would have turned her into the police, because that's not me, because I loved her so much. Do you believe he loved you? No. He loved what I gave to him. I mean, the man never had a job. I was his personal ATM. Ryan Vescio says to this day he remains surprised that Jim never properly claimed self-defense. Because in your opinion, that would have been the most predictable defense? Oh, it would have been most likely a successful defense. Vescio asked the judge to sentence Jim Martin to the maximum, life in prison. Do you have any questions, Mr. Martin? No, sir. But like the jury, the judge pulled his punch and handed down the minimum mandatory sentence. 25 years. Thank you. He's remanded. Jim Martin will serve every single day of those 25 years. There is no parole in Florida. The chances are he's probably not going to live the 25 years. So was it a life sentence? Probably. So am I okay with it? Yes. Christy was left to pick up the pieces. And while she tries to stay in shape, Doctors have recommended no more competing, or she may die. Anthon, going forward. So, Christy followed in the footsteps of the legendary Don King and became a boxing promoter. This past July, in the middle of the pandemic... Good evening, Christy Martin. What an exciting night of boxing. Christy held a 14-fight event in Daytona Beach. The winner! As a fighter, I didn't settle and I'm not gonna settle as a promoter. What's remarkable about Christy today is getting to see how she's living her her second lease on life. And she's able to be who she is, doing what she loves. 
and loving who she wants to love. In November 2017, Christy married fellow boxer and one-time opponent, Lisa Holowine. She is uh, one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met. There is a, a sweetness to her that no matter all the awful things she's been through is still there. Christy now goes by her maiden name, Salters, and advocates for victims of domestic abuse through her nonprofit, Christie's Champs. She also donates a portion of her fight proceeds to the cause. I think it's a remarkable story because you have a world-famous champion boxer, and she could still be in a domestic violence relationship because that isn't about physical strength. It's about mental abuse, but you can always survive it. Christy says she can now look back and see that she did get that 50th win, just not in the boxing ring. Finally, I've been able to come with, to terms with, I got the 50th win when I got up off the floor, November 23rd, 2010, and got out of my house. That was my 50th win. Christy Martin. In 2022, Christy Martin will be among the first class of women inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Christy's relationship with her parents has improved, and they continue to grow closer. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. CBS News. This is what fire crews are up against. Breaking news, streaming all day long. And always just a click away. The highest quality journalism. It explains not just who or what or where, but why. CBS News. This is why. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. 
and you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.